Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Welcome to Funny Looking Podcast. My name's Pete, and with my good friend Gav. Hello, Gav. Hello, Pete. And this is a podcast all about the things that we find funny. I live in the wonderful town of Manchester. Gav's in Liverpool. And uh, this is our fourth in the series looking specifically at the Liverpool Comedy Festival. And as we record this, it's just before the festival starts. But if you listen to this, it might be started halfway through, finished ages ago. We could all be dead. This could be in an archive somewhere. I doubt it. But it's not far now, Pete. It's not. And the great thing is there's so much interesting, exciting comedy coming to Liverpool all over the city uh, for a good few weeks. So do give it a Google, have a look um, or go back and listen to our first three special podcasts where there's already lots of recommendations and interviews with lots of really exciting people who are involved. Well, everybody we're talking to are performing at 81 Renshaw Street and all their gigs are a fiver. Added to that, it's a fantastic venue. It's got a lovely cake. You can have a little can, maybe a little glass. Take it in with you and have a great time. And obviously, it would be remiss of us not to mention the two funny-looking lives that are taking place at 81 Venture Street on the 19th and 26th of September. It is going to be an event. It's going to be happening. It's going to be there. It's two halves. The first half is just in the room. You're gonna, we're going to chat, we're going to get to know the audience, but not in that way. You'll be looked after. You're going to have some tasters of shows. I'm going to be helped out by Top Joe. I'm giving um, a young fella a bit of a break, a bit of help. He's going to help me as part of the official podcast of Liverpool Comedy Festival. Top Joe is going to be our roving reporter. And then the second half, if you can't be there, you can listen in. It's going to be live on Spreaker. So on the 19th and the 26th at about 9.45, 9.50, if you go to Spreaker, if you click the link on Twitter, you can listen. The chat box will be projected into the room. You can be part of it all. It's a fiver, Pete. It's going to be a multimedia extravaganza. Um <laughs> Most comparable to when the Olympics opened in London in 2012. So if you enjoyed that and it ticked your liberal boxes, then come and see Funny Looking Live. It's going to have a, a disco element, some live music on the second second one, call-ins. It's going to be it's going to be there. It's going to happen, and it'd be lovely if you're part of it. But it's not about me, is it? Well. This is really all about you, isn't it? This is the most self-indulgent project a man's yeah. ever come up with since I'm not sure about the Bible. That. Well, maybe, maybe in the top ten. But more importantly, this podcast is not all about you, Gav. No. Um, we've got some excellent chatter coming up, and firstly, we're going to talk to Mel Moon, who's got a show at 81 Renshaw Street called Sick Girl. Um, I won't go too much into it right now because there's lots of really interesting stuff in the interview. So give it a listen. Hello, Mel. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. We're venue buddies. We are. On the same day. I know. But I know. I'm a bit intimidated because you just come off the bounce of a of an Edinburgh run with your show, Sick Girl, which is what we're talking about. You can tell, tell us about that in a bit. And yeah. um, I'm just going to stumble in with a bottle of rum and a bag full of aspiration. Tell you what, 
I did an Edinburgh show in 2009 with Colin Manford. We did nothing but get hammered for a month and laugh on stage. And it was the best fringe ever. Right. But with a serious show that you really want to do well, you end up having a breakdown and being accused of all sorts. So oh. <laughs> we enjoy that bottle of rum. This is good. This is already in. Okay, so um, Sick Girl, as I say, it's just done, done the run out in, in, in Edinburgh. It's a true story and it's your story. And if... If you go to the Liverpool Comedy Festival, there's a bit of a preamble there. But um, set the scene for us. Paint the picture of, of the piece that you bring in. Well, the whole reason I wrote the show was because I wanted to create something good out of probably the worst thing I've ever had to face. In sort of a like, um, it was my Everest climb or, you know. So in two, I had a baby in 2010 and I didn't feel very good after having the baby. And in 2000. 13, I was diagnosed with a really rare endocrine disorder that could kill me anytime, anywhere, any minute. And when you get a piece of news like that, everything changes. You know, you stop making plans, you bring everything forward, start living in the moment, uh, a bit irresponsibly sometimes, you know, thinking it's acceptable just because you're able to streak down the high street naked whilst trying to rob a bank. Not the best plan. You know, uh, death didn't come, so you'll go to prison, that sort of thing. But... Um, I started work on this show and, and I realised that it was about a very serious topic, a topic that I felt was very current and that needed to be addressed, but in a palatable way. And that topic was assisted suicide. So during my sickness, at one point, things got so bad for me that I, I literally felt that I couldn't cope. Um, the physical pain that my body was putting me through was barbaric enough, but the emotional pain of knowing that I had these two children that needed and depended on me, who I couldn't do anything for, was even worse, you know. And as I say in my show, when your 10-year-old comes up to you and says, I don't want to go to bed because I'm scared you're going to die, and you've made a promise to your child that you'll never lie to them, what do you do? What do you say? Because if you say that will never happen, it's a lie. I mean, none of us can ever say that, but with me, the odds weren't brilliant. And it just... It was really awful and in the end my dad saved me because as a kid I'd had a similar sort of dream about him and he told me at the time that when you dream that someone's going to die it means you're going to get closer to that person so I googled it and sure enough that's what it said so off the back of that I said that to my son and it was kind of like my get out of jail free card and it helped you know sort of bring the situation back down but I was still suffering and everything around me was falling apart because there was nothing I could do to end this suffering. So in the end, I thought to myself, you know, every choice, every function pretty much has been taken away from me. I've got one left. And that is, do I want to stay like this, sit on the bench and watch everyone else play or get out of the game? And I chose to get out of the game. And it was one of the hardest decisions the hardest really that I'll ever have to make I hope I never have to make it again um it killed me inside and out to have to do it but I got lucky and I was given a drug that has really improved my quality of life and meant that you know no one knows how much time I've got but then when no one knows how much time they've got you know a label doesn't make that exclusive you know um so I try my best to enjoy every moment that I've got I did go through a very pitiful stage and I think we all would, you know, sort of feeling, why is this happening to me? And But now, on the whole, I just want to try and really enjoy myself and not live in the moment because it's you can't do that. You know, this is real life as much as we'd like to. 
be in a Hollywood film where every single day is a picture perfect moment. It's not going to happen. But try my best. So at the end of every day, when I ask myself a question, the answer is yes. And the question that I ask is, if this is it, if this is the night I'm going to go out, am I going out on a good one? And I always want the answer as much as possible to be yes. And so I wrote this show so that I could talk about what a person would have to lose to contemplate this as a decision. But most of all, more important than any of that, I wrote the show to try and make people feel good and talk about their future and what chances they've got just simply because they're breathing. And not in an American, hi guys, you know, today is wonderful, you should, you know, adore it. Not that, just in a way that maybe they wouldn't expect, in a way that, you know, maybe I'm forcing them to face up to their mortality. I don't know, but it seems to be working. I leave the stage, the audience seemed very happy, but most of all, I think they go away informed and think, actually, not everybody who makes this decision is doing it because they want to die. Some people don't, they just don't see any other way. And when you say you've got children, I find that's the moment that people stop feeling sorry for you and start feeling that you're very selfish and that you should consider their needs first. And this was also a, a, an ideal opportunity for me to explain why that's exactly what I was doing. And when people come to see the show, they often leave surprised at how they you know, feel about that now and obviously how the whole situation was perceived by me from my view. Um, so Edinburgh was fantastic. I felt like I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of very special people and, you know, just get my story out there and, and hope that it makes a small difference. Tomorrow is the day that they will be voting on the bill in Parliament, uh, the assisted suicide bill, if it's passed. Right. Doctors right. will be able to help people that are already going to die to go a little bit sooner with less suffering. We're in a, a society at the moment where we're not able to discuss it without emotion or rationally. And there are too many spiritual beliefs being cast about when this should be a very personal decision, not one that anybody alive could make for you. And my show was also about that. Two big key points, you know, we all talk about humanitarian rights and how important they are to us, but the biggest one, you don't have that. And also, only somebody truly arrogant and truly obtuse could look at somebody suffering in a way that they themselves will probably never have to endure and say, actually, no, you've got to keep going. You've got to fight harder. If I were you, that's what I would do. It's the easy option that you're looking at now. You're meant to go through this. There's a lesson here somewhere. It's ridiculous. So all that considered, for me, it was much more than a, an hour making people laugh. It was much more than an hour of me getting my ego stroked. It felt really, really important, and it still does. And body willing, I hope to keep performing it for a good while yet to people that I think it would help. Because I think if I'd have seen it at my low point, I'm not saying it would have changed my mind, because it probably wouldn't have done, you know. But I think it would have given me pause for thought. And I think it would have made me feel less alone. Because we all know that chronic disease, serious disease does that, it isolates you. 
And this was my way of just putting the patient back in touch. And hopefully people will really enjoy it. And you know what? Despite the heaviness of that little conversation we've just had, or that little speech I've just given, it is a very funny show. You know, I'm not laughing at anything in particular. Comedy's in the detail. Um, you know, you can have a little bit of a laugh at my expense, my partner Chris's expense, as we came to terms with something like that, and the mistakes we made as we went along. You know, it is giggle. But You'll have but a really I know people who've really seen it and said it. It's, it's funny. funny. Yeah? That's funny. And, funny. and that's that's good and but what do you want the audience to come away with as well as that entertainment as well as the, the people are going to front they're going to laugh um what, what what have how have people reacted have you had feedback and i know you, yeah. i know you get instant feedback in a room with an audience you get you know you create a dynamic relationship in in the rooms that you are in edinburgh but what 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 have you had coming back from people the two biggest uh, reactions I've had because most people even go I tell you what I get a lot hugs oh I get a lot of hugs and it doesn't matter how high the stage is yeah, yeah. they'll find that bad boy and they'll always ask permission and say can can I get a hug and at the end of my show no matter how big the room is I take the time to ask as many people as I can a question which I won't say here because obviously I want you to see it and um, many a time the answer to the question will be I'm sorry, I can't answer that, but can I give you a hug? And I'll come, you know, it, you, it, the one thing that the reviews have said and that certainly critics have said is that it's a connection. I want them to make a connection with me. I want them to go away feeling like for that hour, nothing mattered but what we were doing in that room. And Are you a writing stand-up show or is it a story with, with, with jokes? I know it's an yeah. obtuse question. Are you... Because you you have a background in stand up anyway, I do, and yeah. writing. You're a writer. Yeah. How similar is this? You know, it sounds dismissive. I don't mean it. To, this piece of work to the 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 Mel Moon that that performed and wrote before your illness. Miles away, miles away. You know, I used to write songs about absolute filth, and I bloody loved it. I'll get up on stage, drag my keyboard. You know, sometimes I'd have a straight set in mind. Other times I'd get the audience to give me a topic to write about and I'd write one on stage. And, I, I you know, and don't get me wrong, I'll never drop the keyboard. I love the keyboard. I know there's plenty of people out there hate musical comedy and I'm not getting rid of it. It's don't. just that with this, I won't. There really are no it. categories in comedy. If it is funny, that is the only category. Exactly. And if anybody listens to Funny Looking uh, and thinks, oh, I like this type of comedy or that. There are no types of comedy, uh, you fools. Genre, I love that word. It's so, so um, you know, uh, up, up itself, but it's a genre. I don't have a particular yeah. genre that I enjoy, you know. Oh, sad off. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, well, let me write you some dirty jingles for Funny Looking Pod. Oh, God, I'd love that. Well, well let's get let's get on that. Well, I Funny think... Looking Live, I do every, yeah. su I do every Sunday on Spreaker. <laughs> I need some. I need some jingles. I need. Um, Walk on music. Something personal to you. Absolutely. There you go. It's all sorted. That is that is a binding contract. That is a binding <laughs> contract. <laughs> I will do that. And um, yeah, no, it's really I'm going to get you to sing it yourself, which will be even funny. That is not a binding contract. <laughs> that no is. paper has been signed. Uh, so, 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 what's what has been some of the outcomes of this? What... Okay. So, feedback wise, the two strangest bits of feedback I had was I did it in uh, Reading and by it I mean the show before rumours start I, I did it in Reading and 
and there was a guy at the back of the room and, and you know it's funny you know yourself as a performer you'll always seek out that one person in the room that's not behaving the same way as everybody else yeah. in most cases it's usually the person that isn't laughing and you'll go for them but in this instance it, it wasn't that it was he I can't explain what his body language is doing. It's almost like, I'm going to leave. No, I'm not. I'm going to leave. No, I'm not. You know, all the time. And then eventually he walked out of the venue, popped open the door and stood on the other side of it. So he could see that he wasn't in the room. And he stood and watched the whole thing. And at the end, um, I had to leave. I I, I was um, getting the last train and... I was rushing and he grabbed my arm and he was a really big fellow. And I remember thinking, oh no, I've no pepper spray. <laughs> and I turned around and, and he was crying and I said, what's wrong? You know, and he said, um, that was this really brave girl. And he thought the show was absolutely outstanding and he, you know, loved every minute of it, but he couldn't handle being in the same room. He said to me, I needed to feel as though it was television because it was too strong and you pushed my buttons too hard and you know and I remember feeling guilty and I said did you not laugh at all I went oh I laughed so much but I do do it is a deliberate thing you get them laughing a lot before you slam them with something else just to bring them back the roller coaster and each time the slam just get a little bit harder and I think he just he'd reached his break you know so that was and he follows me on Twitter he's always really supportive in his tweets and and he did enjoy it. He just needed that distance. And I understand that, actually. I do understand that. Um, the second gentleman was last week. Um, again, as I said, I go around the room and ask the question. And I asked him a question and he gave a really impertinent answer. And I thought, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like me. He doesn't like the show. You know, so I sort of tried to skim over him really quickly and, you know, make light of it. He gave me nothing. His face was really hard and... I thought, oh, he hates it. And then I got feedback from the promoter who said that um, everybody had loved it, but one gentleman, the gentleman that I'd asked that question to, had gone up to him and basically said, that was a risky show. And he said, did you not like it? He went, no, no, I loved it. But it brought back things that are just a little bit too raw for me at the moment. I think I would have preferred to have waited another couple of months before I'd seen it. And that's the risk I'm taking. Yeah. You know, you know, most of the time I'm... I always say when, when anyone in Edinburgh said, what's it about when they used to start me? I'd say, right, first half of the show is about me. I'm going to tell you a story. And, you know, you need to hear that story for the second half of the show to work. The second half of the show is about you. And I'm going to tell you another story. But for that, you're going to have to come and see it. Right. And that's really the best. And, and the reviewer summed it up perfectly when, when he said, um, she starts out as a typical comedian and you think, oh, okay know some nice jokes in there and then all of a sudden she tells you the most horrific terrifying story that you find yourself unable not to laugh at and then in the end she turns the entire focus of the show on to you and before you know it you leave believing she's just written an hour of comedy for you and I mean that's weird that I've pretty much remembered that review isn't it no I don't think so at all but I remember reading it and thinking you've hit the nail on the head pal that's exactly what my show is about well, I, I've made a promise that I'm going to, uh, even though, as I say, it's the first day of my first show, I'm coming to see it because because there's there's too much in this Reson resonant to me as a fan of performing, as a fan of comedy, and also personally that, that I can't miss it. I'm not going to miss it. Uh -oh. 
But, you know, I, 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 the more people in the room that I care about, it always makes the show better for me. You know, I mean, if I've, if I've like grown to like someone personally, it's brilliant when I see I mean, I was so lucky in Edinburgh. Some brilliant comics came to see it. And every time I walked into the room and, that, and saw their faces, uh -uh. Yeah, I was blown away, Good. absolutely blown away. I thought, well, you know, as comics, you know what it's like. If you get positive feedback from another comic, it's harder than winning a bloody BAFTA. <laughs> comics. Oh, they're a funny bunch to observe from the outside, yes. as I am. So we've got Mel Moon at Sick Girl, 81 Renshaw Street, 19th of September at 5 o'clock. And that means, Mel, that people can come and see your show. Yeah. They can then, you know... Have that time after to connect and talk to you, have something to eat, drink, relax, go, you know, go for a few. Then they can come back to 81 Rental Street and see mine. Uh, well, that's or, what we're going to have. Actually, I think you have to. Or I think actually there's Adam, there's somebody in between us as well. God, no, I should have promoted them. I should know who they are. No, no, screw them. It's about Mel Moon, Sick Girl, and Funny Looking Live <laughs> at Nine. Who cares? <laughs> I am promoting everybody, I just don't know who it is. <laughs> That's all. What I really like about that is it just it, it doesn't sound like a comedy show, and that's a compliment where I'm from. Um, because what she's doing, she's taking something really personal, really interesting, and she's just creating something out of it. And it's exactly the sort of stuff I want to go and see and the sort of stuff I want to hear. Sure, I like a knob joke, Gav. You know me. But sometimes you kind of want that sort of space to think as well as laugh. So, yeah, really exciting. And um sounds something definitely be your street too. But I'm, def I'm definitely going to go, even though it's two hours before my gig or something. Um, four hours, I think. But I'm going to go because I want to be part of that. I want to see this. I've followed the journey. I just say she, she, she's one of those really interesting users of Facebook in particular. And it's a it's a perfect night out. You could come into Liverpool, go and see Mel Moon, five o'clock, 81 Renshaw Street, come out at six. We'll say hello. We shake hands. It'd be awkward, but we'd be okay. Go off for something nice to eat. Or you could come back at seven o'clock, see Rob Thomas. He's coming up later in the podcast. And then a bit later at nine o'clock, it's going to be, you've had a few beers, some wines, oh, a glass of orange juice. At nine o'clock, it's me and Funny Looking Live. That is, that that's 15 quid. That is worth everything. And if you do that, I'll give you a free badge. <laughs> so, uh, 81 Renshaw Street to Mel Moon, Sick Girl, five o'clock on the 19th of September, which is this Saturday, if you're listening like they can't listen live if you're listening straight away i understand <laughs> podcasts we've done nearly 25 of them now absolutely this is 24 i know so this nearly next bit tw nearly 25 gap that is nearly, nearly 25 traditionally actually. depends on the how you divide between the 24 and 25 because obviously you can divide between there and an infinite number sure. of fractions but i don't know much about maths now, one of the things about being the official, I mean, there's there's the dozens of unofficial ones, I know, but, but being the official podcast of the Liverpool Comedy Festival is you get invited to some very swanky do's, Pete. Obviously, I didn't pass that invite on to you, and I went by myself to this year's launch of the Liverpool Comedy Festival, and uh, this is a little uh, collection of 
of bits and pieces and some some of the comics that I spoke to and well they introduced themselves and what they're doing all the links to all their shows will be in the gubbins and guff on the website funnylooking.co.uk and as I say all of these guys they're all they're all at 81 Renshaw Street all of Fiverr um, thanks for coming folks I really appreciate you coming to this um, uh, comedy festival launch without you here it would have been awkward beyond belief to be honest um, am I on? you're on right uh, my name's John Wilson I'm a, a Merseyside comedian and um, I'm uh, going to have an hour my first hour ever hour in the Liverpool Comedy Festival um, which is going to be uh, love that gag I do love a gag I'm also doing, uh, which will be, that'll be the 2nd of October. And then I'll be doing, 3rd of October, I'll be doing John Wilson and Friends, because I have got some friends. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Um, anything else? Who would I recommend who's going to be on? Who are you looking forward to? Who are you looking forward to? Um, Gaines, I think. Seen them once. Very good. Um, if I did have the opportunity before the jokes all run out for Ken Dodd, I'd like to go and see Ken Dodd before I die. Uh, Paul, Paul Daniels as well. Uh, sorry, Paul Daniels. No, Paul, actually, I saw Paul Daniels, actually, you know, in the uh, in Birmingham Hippodrome many years ago as a comp. It was very good. Is he doing the comedy festival? No, he's not. Okay. But Pauline Daniels is, and she's very good. She's very good. Go and see Pauline Daniels. She's lovely. Lovely. Uh, funny looking part, I believe that's going to be very good. Obviously. Yeah, um, that's going to be a good night. I'll be on that as well. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be on there for little, five, little cheeky five minutes. It's going to be wonderful. Isn't this lovely? Can I have a drink now? Yeah, yeah, please leave. Thanks. It's great to have this launch event in this venue, and we, we weren't going to have this launch event in this venue we said we can only do it if you put the dishwasher on as we're doing the speeches and they've done that and they've gone above and beyond so we really appreciate that that gesture from the venue uh, my name is Jay Burnley uh, I'm doing a show called Elvis was racist and that's I had to do it in that kind of voice because there's a question mark at the end so if, if you if you can't see the question mark that's coming out of my speech bubble but the dead can't see you yeah <laughs> not anymore not unless I do those, those rituals that I was doing before yeah, um, but um, Elvis was racist, um, and that sounds odd, isn't it? 22nd of September, Tuesday the 22nd of September, 81A, Renshaw Street at 7 o'clock, um, and it is about uh, some things that happened to me, but also about celebrity. It, basically what happened is I, I, got, I, I got told by a woman once that um, I didn't need to talk about racism anymore because racism was over, uh, and then I got pulled by the police, um, about four minutes after leaving that gig, um, which was which was quite fun because it, made, it meant that I had a show. Um, but but I, I also I'm a DJ as well, and I've always been interested in Public Enemy and a lot of not not, not so much the gangster rap that's you've got the NWA straight out of Compton that's come out, but more so more so the political messages. Um, like KRS One was in Liverpool recently, Public Enemy playing in December. Um, and I've always been intrigued by Public Enemy's song where they said that Elvis was a racist um, and that was playing through my head as I was getting pulled by the police <laughs> and I started looking at that about whether or not racism was over but it's turned into, it's snowballed into this thing about, um, about what you can get away with if you are a celebrity or you are um, 
I don't want to give too much away, but depending on your standing, your social standing, you can get away with more. So if you're if you're male, you get away with a lot more than a female would get away with. If you are rich, you get away with a lot more than a poor person would get away with, and and so on. So and celebrity is one of those things that encompasses quite a lot of it. You know, you're rich, you're normally male. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of old people in, in celebrity, Hollywood especially. And um, it's, 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 it's trying to take it to its nth degree of, of what you could get away with if you are a celebrity. And what, what, you, what do you get away with? I, very little, according to that, that police officer that day. <laughs> um, I, I probably didn't indicate right. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know. This, this, that's what I find interesting is that, is that I, I've started, I started to write um, from the perspective of women. And that's, this is going to sound weird, but it, it's, it's, it's mainly because... Um, and I, I went, this has been up in Edinburgh and Kiria Pritchard-McLean's show is going to be brilliant but it, she's doing it sort of from, from a female perspective and we had a chat and if, you are, if you're black and you start talking about black issues a lot of people sometimes go, well you would say that so I started to go, well if I deliver stuff that talks about um, sexism do I get away with that more? And you do. I did a sort of work in progress last year, and it evolved from... I thought it was going to be all about... It was sort of all about racism and stuff that had happened to me. And then it's evolved all because of the Elvis thing. I started to realise it was more about celebrity. Because Elvis, what it was, the whole crux of it is that Elvis was... Um, in, I think it's 1957, Elvis, uh, in, a, in a magazine, um, was quoted as saying, the only reason I need black people is to shine my shoes and buy my music. And a lot of the deep south in America, to this day, still believe that Elvis is racist. And it's looking at whether or not he, he did say that, whether or not he was allowed to say that, and how, how he got away with it. Because now, in the era that we're in now, there is a lot of things that celebrities get away with, even after what's gone on with certain people who are now in jail. I don't want to over Hulk, it. Hulk Hogan this week. God, God. <laughs> I'm writing this show, and every week something else happens that means I have to rewrite the show. Um, that's my excuse for it not being ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it will be. It will be on the 22nd of September at 7 o'clock at 81A uh, Renshaw Street. See how seamless then. Wait, I'll, I'll go you Thank, you, <laughs> Thank you very much. Last year was the first year I, I was festival director and the, the big thing that we had to do, there was three, three kind of key points we wanted to do. It was visibility, it was connectivity and it was anticipation for the festival itself. And I think we managed to do that last year to some degree. This year it's going to move on a notch as well and I think this launch event's testament to the fact that we're, we're doing that. The fact that a lot of people in the room helped make that happen is, you know, we really thank you for that. It's hard to run a comedy festival without, you know, all the parts in the city being in, in the same place and working together. So that's great that that happened. Hi, I'm Rob Thomas. I'm a comedian. And during this Liverpool Festival, I'm doing three... Well, I'm doing two shows. I'm involved in a third. The first one is my own solo show. It's called, at the moment, in the programme, it's called Rob Thomas Working Class Zero, brackets our contract. But already before the show started, I've changed the name. It's now called Rob Thomas, Rebel Without a Clue. It was either going to be that or I'll fight the fucking lorries. I don't know if I can swear on this, but I have. Uh, Rebel, Without a Clue, Rebel Without a Clue. It's basically it's all about my life, where I am now. It's basically questioning why I've got... I seem to want to fight for a cause, but I haven't got a cause to fight for. So instead, I just fight everyone. It's like I want to fight the world. I mean, I get annoyed at everything. Things wind me up. I don't know why. The other day I got annoyed at him, which is BBC One on CBBS, because they introduced the, they introduced the, an otter as ferocious 
and, um, and, and scary. And I thought, how offended would that have to be? Knowing you're taking the piss out of them before you introduce them. That'd be, I'd, that'd wind me up. So um, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about in my show. Also, it's, it's a bit biographical as well. It's probably going to go on tangents about the rest of my life. It's just a title I'm trying to stick to. Uh, the second show is Tuesday, the 21st of September. It's called We Used to Be Fit, and it's a double header with Kate Tracy, and it's basically just talking about the demise of our bodies and our life. It's going to be two, two, two double under, us both doing 20 minutes each, and it's going to end with me and Katie answering any of the audience questions about life, trying to give advice where we can, whether that would be good advice or not. I'm not sure. And finally, the last show is Sunday the 4th of October. This is the show I'm probably most excited about, even though I've got my own show. It's a show called Meth Jam. And what it is, it's a Scouse tribute to all things Def Jam. Cheers, Rob. We've got links to all of those. Right, cheers. A bit busy, man. I, yeah, for about three days. <laughs> cheers. Thank you very much. But this is the launch event. The festival starts proper on September the 18th. So um, please take a brochure. Take take a handful, give them out to people, spread the word. It's great that people can let people know about shows that run in the festival, not just the big names, the smaller names as well. Um, thanks for coming, enjoy the rest of tonight. Can we have a big round of applause and let's open the Liverpool Comedy Festival with a big round of applause. Thanks very much. To be honest, mate, I only would have cramped your style on a night out in a way, so don't feel guilty about not inviting me. That's cool. I, I don't. <laughs> well, that is your fourth little look into the Liverpool Comedy Festival. Go online, research it, buy some tickets. Preferably, preferably? Preferably. Preferably, you will come and see Funny Looking Live, 81 Rental Sheet, 19th and the 26th nice, of September, £5, 9 o'clock. Multimedia extravaganza. Or listen to it. Or tweet about it. Or just share it. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, go to the website, buy a badge, scroll to the button, donate, buy a badge, follow us on Periscope, just open the MySpace page. That's a true story. I thought it'd be funny. But the most important thing you can do is get over to iTunes and leave us a review, five stars. That's all you need to do. I've not done it yet because I think it's self-indulgent, but Gav insists that I do. One of these days, I might just do it. Gap, when's your birthday? It was in July. Was it? <laughs> You've got a long time to wait for that review then, mate. <laughs>